And we're going to be in verses 29 through 51, Matthew 24, 29 through 51. And the title of this sermon is The Last Day's Trumpet. The Last Day's Trumpet. So we've been going through a three-week series called The Last Days. And week one was prepare. Week two was tribulation. And today, we're finally there, y'all. Trumpet. This is the passage where Jesus talks about his second coming, which is amazing because he was on this planet with disciples explaining how he's going to come again. And that, when he was explaining this, was during his first coming. Uh, Just an amazing thing. So our goal as a church family over these last few weeks has been uh, to address the mentalities that we have about the last days. And generally, in, in some categories, um, we think of the last days, and, and one of the th- thoughts we have is fear, right? We're like, I'm afraid of what's happening. I, I, I'm, I'm nervous, right? And these things seem really scary. The second one is confusion, right? If we're, we're real and honest about that, like, this stuff's confusing. This is really, like, apocalyptic, and I don't understand it, and the timelines and all that. And then the third one is confidence. And our goal is that fear and confusion would lower and confidence would rise. And if there's a passage to help our confidence rise, it's this one this morning, right? All of them are, as Jesus is equipping us, but for sure this one today. So we're going to be able to answer questions in this passage today, like what will Jesus's return be like? And then how do we wait well before Jesus returns? Like that's today. How do we wait well today as Jesus's return is, is imminent? So here's the big idea this morning, and I pray that it's our big idea as we finish Matthew 24. It's really the big idea of our hearts in lives as Christians. Uh, Jesus is coming back, and this confidence marks our lives. Jesus is coming back, and this confidence marks our lives. So right up front, I just want to ask, is that true of you right now? Uh, you don't have to answer audibly, right? That would be embarrassing, right? But, but is this true of you? You know Jesus is coming back and confidence, your confidence in him coming back marks your life. People are like, something's different about her, something's different about him. Even though all these crazy difficult things are happening in this world, there's something that they're focused on that they're confident is happening in the future. And what is that? And if they were to ask you, they'd be like, well, Jesus is coming back. Everything is gonna be all right, right? Right, okay, so... How? How do we ensure we have confidence? And how does this confidence in Jesus coming back mark our lives? There's four things I want to walk us through. The first one's from 29 through 31, and it's this. Be eager for Christ's return. Be eager for Christ's return. There's an eagerness about it, right? More than eagerness for vacation. More than eagerness for more rest. More than eagerness for a great meal or a victory for the team you love or whatever. Eagerness for Christ's return. Be eager for Christ's return. Here it is, 29 through 31. It says this. Immediately after the tribulation of those days... The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Right, how many people on earth are gonna notice that? Everyone, right? Everyone is gonna notice that. Verse 30, then will appear in heaven the sign of the son of man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. 
And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. There it is. The return of Christ. Jesus on the Mount of Olives with the disciples describing his return, what it's going to look like. They asked for signs. He gave them signs. He gave them that this is going to happen. And as we read this, we realize this hasn't happened yet, right? This hasn't happened yet, right? There's the old nursery story, Chicken Little, and Chicken Little's like, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, right? This is the moment when the sky will literally be falling, right? This is it. Like chicken little, the sky is falling, is no longer a lie. And amidst that, Jesus appears. The the son of man coming on the clouds with power and great glory is is the line that's used. And man, there's so many things in that line. There's a lot in there. So let's break it down. The son of man coming on the clouds with power and great glory. Let's break that down. So son of man is emphasized why. Jesus is called the son of God. He's called the son of man. Why is Jesus called the son of man? Because that refers to him relating to humanity, right? He came. He's one of us. He bears our image and the image of God at the same time. He relates to us. And through our relating to him, through forgiveness and salvation, we're saved. We we know in that moment we're going to be with him. So the son of man is coming. Members of mankind who've placed their faith in him will be saved. The question is, have you placed your faith in him? Next, we see from heaven. Why is that there? Well, it's because that's where Jesus is right now. He was here. He he took the cross. He was buried. He rose from the dead. Then he ascended to heaven. That's Acts 1. That's where he is right now in bodily form. And then he's going to come back, his second coming. Where is he coming from? He's coming from heaven. And then it says, in power and great glory, meaning he is God. No one and no thing is anything like him. The last few verses and and paragraphs we've looked at, we've seen all of these imposters that are gonna try to be like, I'm the Christ, I'm the Christ, I'm the Christ. And then we see the Christ come from heaven, which no one else, no other thing can do, right? It's gonna be very clear to every single person on the planet that Jesus Christ is Lord in this moment. There is no question about it. No question for any single person person. So at that future moment, it's too late for anyone to place their faith in him. That's why it says the nations will mourn, but right now all can be saved. Jesus is saying this to them in a context where salvation is still an option. We receive it today because Jesus still hasn't returned, knowing that salvation is an option. So we can be confident in this. From the entire earth, in a moment, We who have placed our faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and who follow him as Lord, we will be gathered up by angels from every corner of the earth. That's amazing. From every corner of the earth, Christians are going to rise and as 1 Corinthians 4 says, meet Jesus in the air. Y'all, that's going to be amazing, right? Have you ever met someone in the air? No, you haven't. I'm not talking about like an airplane. You're like, sure, I've sat beside people in an airplane right? I mean, like, we're floating, we're floating, there's Jesus, right? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And we read this, and we're like, this is, this is apocalyptic language. This isn't written. No, this is real. 
This is going to happen. Jesus is going to come back. This future moment is real. I've told this story before, and I got to share it again. Um, When I was in college, I was at a a church one Sunday morning, and an enormous feedback sound occurred. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Never happens here because our team is so pro. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jason and Kara. Um, never happens here, but there was this deafening feedback moment, the kind where everybody like covers their ears, goes into the fetal position because it's, it's terrible. It, it was like, like two million f- fingernails on chalkboard, right? Like it was, oh, it was terrible. And then, then the feedback ends and, and all of us kind of emerge, right, from, from our heads between our knees. And there's this brother in Christ, two or three rows in front of me, and he's standing up like this. Y'all, my buddy Jason, he thought Jesus was returning. He thought that was the trumpet. And, and I, in that moment, had so many reactions. I was thinking, nah, man, that was feedback, right? And then I was thinking, that dude is so ready for Jesus to return that when he's heard something that sounded like a trumpet, dude stood up in the middle of the church and went like this in front of everybody. And I thought, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget that. That man is eager for the Lord's return. And a related story. In December, our small group does this thing called uh, crash caroling, all right? So it's a big secret, but it's not a secret anymore. So we'll choose some small groups. We'll go around. We'll crash carol. And uh, we, we, because it's the pastor's small group, I feel like we can ruin other small groups for five minutes, right? So we go and um, we come here. There's a small group meeting here. And it turns out, we heard this afterwards. So we come in and we just start singing. Everything goes, what is that, right? So it turns out that they had just been talking about Jesus' return, and someone had just said, it would be really crazy if some singing or trumpet sound just started happening. And right at that moment, there's a, there's a group of like 18 people in the lobby singing, and they're like, oh, what's happening? This is, right? And so I share those stories to help us with this. It seems that the Lord is keeping this future reality of a trumpet on our minds and our hearts and in our discussions, right? This is gonna happen. He wants our, he wants us thinking about this. He wants us feeling it. He wants us anticipating it. So, so what is being eager for, for Christ's return? What, is it, what does it look like? And, and, and let's, let's finish this, this passage. The next one is be trusting Jesus's words today. Be trusting his words today. So we're eager for his return And then the second one is be trusting Jesus's words. So if we hear Jesus say he's going to return and we read these things and we're thinking, this is, I've never seen anything like this. I've never heard anything like this. So you have a, you have a question. Are you going to trust Jesus's words or not? And and for sure, if we want to be confident in Christ's return, we got to be trusting his words from 32 through 35, 32 and 33 say this from the fig tree. Learn its lesson as soon as the branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves. You know this summer is coming. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very great gates. 
So, so what are these things? When Jesus says these things, he's referring all the way back to verse three. He's still answering their question. Their question to Jesus was, tell us when will these things, right? So Jesus is answering their question. He uses the same phrase, these things. When will, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age? So just like when, just like you can tell summer is coming by shoots coming out of plants, so you will know the end is coming by the signs of the times. And that helps us a lot with verse 34 and interpreting it. So look at verse 34. Jesus goes on. He says, truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. All right, now, this is a verse that has caused a whole lot of confusion for people because they're thinking like, did Jesus just say he's already returned? And this generation, or from our perspective, like, did Jesus return and we missed it? Are we not saved? Did he come back during that generation? And that's not what he's talking about. Jesus isn't talking about the day of his return here as if for us today he hasn't already returned. Many have missed the context of this verse and make Jesus to be a liar or have used this verse to tempt Christians to lose hope of his return. Jesus is simply saying that the signs of the last days will occur during the disciples' lives, and they have and they did, and we talked about the temple destruction in AD 70 last week. So here's verse 35. Verse 35 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So there it is. Be trusting Jesus's words. Jesus's words will last forever and never pass away. Do y'all believe that? Do you believe that what Jesus has said will last forever and will never pass away? All right, uh, week one, uh, after uh, week one of this series, The Last Days, um, between the services um, C.J. Davis, who we love so much. I feel like he's coming up a lot in this series. You know, it's teaching a class on the New Testament, and he comes up to me between the services, and he goes, he goes, I think I know why, why Matthew 24 is called the Olivet Discourse. And the, the real answer is because Jesus delivered this on the Mount of Olives, the Olivet Discourse. But he goes, how much is going to pass away? And I'm like, all of it. And he goes, see, see, all of it, all of it Discourse, right? <laughs> How ridiculous is that? And I told CJ, I'm like, maybe I'll use that in a sermon, maybe not. I think it'll go pretty awkwardly. I think it just did go pretty awkwardly. But that's what Jesus is saying. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So heaven and earth will pass away. He keeps saying this. Everything's gonna crumble. Everything is gonna shake. Everything we trust is going to shake and crumble except Jesus Christ. So he's saying again, everything's gonna pass away, but his words. So what are you trusting in? What are you trusting? Are you trusting in the things of this world? Are you trusting in things other than Jesus? Or do you have your hope set on him? Are you building your life on him? Is your foundation on him? Is, is what you're going after in this world for fruitfulness, for his glory? That's what it's all about. We see the sky and the land will pass away, but all that Jesus says will not pass away. I want y'all to think of something that's really helpful to me devotionally about trusting Jesus's words, all right? In the Old Testament, there are hundreds, hundreds of prophecies about Jesus coming, hundreds of them, but that was toward his first coming, right? Prophecies that are absolutely absurd, and we, we talked about this over the years during Christmas time, right? Prophecies like, 
the, the son of God is going to be born in Bethlehem. And that's Micah 5.2. And you're like, what? Like, the son of God's going to be born? And then you're like, in Bethlehem. Bethlehem's like a, like a shepherd town. Like, why would a king be born in a shepherd town? And like, none of it made sense. And then it happened. There's so many instances like that in the Old Testament pointing toward the first coming of Jesus Christ. And it's one of the main reasons that we can trust God's word, right? God's word isn't a theory. God's word isn't some sort of thing that we're like, oh yeah, we kind of believe it and it's futile and fickle. It's just like us trying to make ourselves feel better about the brokenness in this world. No, this is trustworthy. And one of the main reasons that we know that God and Jesus are not theoretical is because of how much prophecy was exactly fulfilled in the first coming of Jesus. So we take all of that and all of our Christmas celebration about God has done these things, Emmanuel, he's actually with us. We take all of that and now we apply that same faith toward the second coming. Everything that was said about his first coming happened. Everything he's saying about his second coming is gonna happen, including these things. So when we read Matthew 24 and we're like, this stuff seems so absurd, it seems so apocalyptic, it seems so futuristic, it seems so cosmic, it seems so evil versus good, I just don't know that I can believe it. We think, well, that's how everybody felt about the first coming of Jesus. It just seems so absurd, it seems so beyond anything that we feel, anything that we know, and then it happened. And the exact same thing is gonna happen with his second coming right? The exact same thing is going to happen. His words do not pass away. We can believe them. We can trust them. Jesus has integrity. He is not a hypocrite. He is trustworthy, right? So be trusting in Jesus's words. Here's the third one. Be alert because his return will happen fast. Be alert because his return will happen fast. From verses 36 through 44. 36 says this, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only, right? There is, there is one thing that Jesus Christ doesn't know. And what is it? It's the time and the hour of his return, right? He knows everything, but God the Father withheld that from him. Jesus said multiple times in his ministry, I only say what the Father gives me to share, and the Father didn't share with him the exact hour or time of his return, so Jesus couldn't share it. Therefore, it's just like total eye roll when anyone predicts the time of Jesus' coming, right? total eye roll, right? Um, I, I just need, I need some volunteers. So Jasmine, you come up. Um, I need, uh, I need Dan Miles to come up. Just, this is what you get for sitting on the front row. All right. Uh, love you. All right. Come on up. And um, um, Dan's like, oh no. Okay. All I want to do is I just want, we're going to vote and we're going to decide who has a better eye roll. Okay. Everyone has a good eye roll. Okay. So Jasmine, you're, you're going to be up first. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Yeah, not yet. Okay. Not yet. Dan, are you ready for this? I don't ever eye roll. You don't ever eye roll? That's great to know about you, man. What a gentle, kind person you are. That's great. All right, all right, ready? Are you ready? All right, I roll Jasmine. Everyone watch. That's good. That was good. Yeah, good job, good job. All right, Dan, Dan, I roll. This is your first one ever right here. You got to look at the crowd because they're going to vote. I roll. That's pretty good. 
That's pretty good. All right, who thinks Jasmine won? That's right. Who thinks Dan won? Jasmine won. But it's okay. It was just an illustration. Love you. Okay, okay. So y'all, it is total eye roll. When anyone is like, oh, because of the eclipse and the wars and the earthquakes, uh, Jesus is going to return on January 20th of 2019, right? Like some guy said that and then January 21st happens and we're like, eye roll, right? That was a terrible eye roll that I just did. It's total eye roll. Why? Because Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming back. So some, some person is going to think that they know. They can put it all together, and, and then it's all about clickbait and that person being like writing a book or whatever, and then it's like everyone burns the book. I, I don't understand it. We're like, dude, verse 36, like slap, slap your forehead, like verse 36, right? So now Jesus gets back to what it will be like, verses 37 through 39. He says, for as were the days of Noah, so were the coming of, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So what's he talking about? He's talking about how it's gonna happen. He's talking about how the wicked will be judged in that moment and the righteous will be saved. And he's saying, we got to be ready for it. First of all, the the worldwide flood happened, right? Fact, not fable. And we got to believe in God's means of salvation. Look at verses 40 through 41. He said, "Then, then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming, all right? This, this verse reminds us of the Lord scooping up people in the Old Testament, right? I think about Enoch, and I think about Elisha, and they're just going about their day, and then the Bible says they were not. The Lord had allowed them to skip first death and just go right to heaven. And for those of us who are on the earth when Christ returns, that same thing is going to happen to us, right? We're just going to be scooped up. I don't know if it's like swing low, sweet chariot sort of scoop up sort of thing, how, how that works, but it, but it seems it'll be like that. We know it'll be sudden and that's going to be amazing. There's, there's people who are saved and they'll be saved and there's people who are unsaved and there's going to be final judgment. So, so what's the point of all of this intel? Look at verses 42 through 44. Jesus says, therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So rather than preparing for one moment on a calendar day, Jesus is saying, live as Christians in this world for the glory of God while you are here because you don't know when he's coming. You don't know when he's coming. The point of this intel is stay awake and be ready. At the moment Jesus is coming back, we want to be honoring him in that moment and and not in the midst of wandering from him, not in the moment, the midst of sin. We we would love to be in in worship or in prayer or serving him or glorifying God in the way, the things that we're doing in our lives, our jobs, we're doing it for the glory of the Lord, our conversations, all of those things. Be alert because his return will happen fast. There's imminency in his words. 
He will come quick, so be alert. And then here's the final point today from verses 45 through 51. It's be ready, so we are found honoring him. Be ready, so we are found honoring him. From verses 45 through 47. So 45 through 47 say this. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. So what will being ready for Jesus' return yield? What will it yield for you, right? Like Jesus is coming back, you take that intel, you trust Jesus with his word, you decide to be alert, and so you're ready when he comes, and he comes and he finds you serving him, honoring him with your life. And what will readiness yield? It yields two things. Number one is joy at the coming of Jesus, joy. Like that's a joy that none of us have ever tasted before, seeing our Lord and seeing our Lord in a moment where we're honoring him. Second, his blessing with responsibility in heaven. Jesus takes what we're doing here and what we're stewarding here for his glory, and he multiplies that in heaven, and he gives us responsibility in heaven, and that, that is just stunning. We get a little picture of what heaven is like. We'll have, we'll have work to do there. We'll have responsibility there, but there won't be thorns and thistles anymore. right? I think we'll use some of the gifts that he's given us here, And we get to use those all the more in perfection in heaven for his glory. Then look at 48 through 51. It says, but if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at that hour he does not know. And he will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what does readiness look like? What does readiness look like? It looks like a life being lived for Jesus. Not, not a life just professing Jesus, right? Like very superficially, like, yeah, Jesus, yeah, more than anything else, more than any other religion, sure, Jesus, right? Like, yeah, he's on my shelf, I'm acquainted, right? Not, not superficial profession of Jesus, but possessing Jesus, possessing Jesus. Now, More on what's coming and how to wait well is coming in Matthew 25, and and we'll be in that over these next few weeks. So for today, we just want to be thinking about Jesus' return. And in that moment, are you ready for it? And are you eager? And do you trust Jesus' words? Do you believe that just like all the Old Testament prophecy toward the first coming, all the New Testament prophecy toward his second, it's going to happen? And are we going to be ready? And are we going to be worshiping him? And readiness means you're saved. You're forgiven your sins. You trust him. You're going to know your Lord. He's going to know you when the clouds open and the trumpet sounds. Are you going to be ready? And do you know him? That's what we want to focus on today. Last week, I, I noticed that I was quoting lyrics from songs in these last two sermons. So I decided I should do the, that again for this, this third of three. And... Um, I want to read to you this refrain at, in this song um, by uh, Crowder, and it's this song called Crushing Snakes, which is a reference to Jesus beating the Satan, which is, is awesome. And there's this kind of high-pitched, angelic question that's happening in this refrain, and the question is, do you see him? So like, 
we're reading this passage, and we have the opportunity to see into the future, see what's going to happen. So, so the song goes, do you see him, king of heaven, champion of all creation, eyes of fire, voice of thunder, tearing through the sky in wonder, dressed in lightning, we see him coming on a horse that's white like lightning. Do you see him? Do you see him? I want to read it one more time. Do you see him, king of heaven, champion of all creation, eyes of fire, voice of thunder, tearing through the sky in wonder, dressed in light, we see him coming on a horse. That's white like lightning. Like lightning. Do you see him? Do you see him? Right? Jesus is putting this future event in your mind's eye so that we as disciples can know he's coming. And, and this is a finish line for us. The finish line is either when he takes us home through, through our first death or the finish line is when he comes and gets us all, right? So are we living for him as disciples? Is this moment in our Lord, in our future, in your mind's eye? What Matthew taught us in, in the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, it's massively equipping and hopeful for us toward our confidence. And, and it suppresses our fear. Not, suppression sounds like it's still there, but no, we're like trying to hide it or like blanket over it. So let me use a better word. It, it minimizes our fear. It, it minimizes our confusion. Now we have confidence. We have clarity in what he's doing. He's going to return. And before that, He's taught us to be prepared for tribulation by taking heart in him who has and who will overcome the world. He's told us that signs are coming. And what do signs do? They point us towards something very important, that Jesus is stronger than everything around us that will be shaking, that will be warring. Jesus is stronger than all of that. So don't have your hope in nations. Don't have your hope in this earth. Don't have your hope in financial things. Don't have your hope. Have your hope in Jesus. Have your hope in him because he is Lord. He is the champion. He is the one to whom we must hold fast. And I think when the temple crumbled, Christians still worshiped Jesus. And when abominations and, and desertions, they, when they tempt us, we keep worshiping Jesus. And one day, one day, church, if it happens during our lifetimes, the sky is going to open and we're going to see Jesus riding on the clouds. Do you believe it? Do you see it? And will you place your confidence in that? Not confidence in yourself, not confidence in something in this world, but confidence in Jesus Christ. That's secure, awesome worship to him. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you know the exact time that you're gonna send Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you that you were here during your first coming and you explained this to your disciples and then by your sovereign providence, you have gotten your word to us today more than 2,000 years later so that we too can be equipped, we too can be ready, we too can have a glimpse of what that moment is gonna be like and we can, we can go through the the exercise of replacing what's in our mind's eye for the future with you and your return and seeing you face to face, God. And that, that, that can be in our mind's eye as Christians. What, what's the finish line for us? It's seeing you face to face. And Lord, we thank you that you rescue us from your wrath. 
the wrath we deserve. You, you accomplished that on the cross and you accomplished that through your resurrection. You give us forgiveness. You give us new life. And Lord, you rescue us from the worst of what is ahead. You rescue us from the worst of the tribulation. You're, you're gonna come and you're gonna scoop us up and we're gonna be with you and we're gonna be with people from every tribe and tongue and nation in this world. And one day we're gonna look around and see all of these worshiping people. And we're gonna know heaven eternal is sight. We'll see our Lord and Lord, we can't wait. We're so excited. So, Lord, would you use your equipping in Matthew 24 to shape us, to shape us when we see bad news, to shape us when we feel doubt, and to aim us, Lord, toward things that we can be confident in, confident in you and having our feet on you and no one else, nothing else. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name and by the power of your spirit.